You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Before we hear from God's word, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you that we are able to have these services streamed online. I thank you for each person in this room right now. I thank you for those tuning in Sunday and those who will tune in for days and weeks to come. I pray in this trying time of our nation and world that you would uh, give everyone who's uh, listening and watching uh, good health, keep them from uh, the virus that's going around and any other illness, especially so that they can bless others with their health. And I pray for um, economic stability in all of our lives, that we would not be distressed, but have the resources to be generous and bless others. I pray for our relationships, that many, so many are lonely right now, Lord. Um, relationships are strained, that through your word today, we'd be reminded um, that we always have a relationship with you and the body of Christ, and that we would be drawn closer to each other and to you. And finally, Lord, I, I pray that we would indeed be drawn closer to you by your Son. Help us day by day to be filled with your Spirit. Sanctify us. In this time, help us to see how you are using the things that are going on to help grow us as followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name I pray. Amen. Today I would like to talk to you about repentance, repentance. Repentance is essential, absolutely essential to the ministries of both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, as we see in the Gospels. John the Baptist, first we see come on the scene in the Gospels, and he's preaching a message of repentance. He says things like this to the crowds who are gathered, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and I baptize you with water for repentance. And then also, uh, you know, right after that, directly after John the Baptist, Jesus comes on the scene uh, publicly with his public ministry, and his message is this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, and believe the gospel. And I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And similarly, so I've mentioned John the Baptist and Jesus, of course we see that in the gospels, but similarly with the apostles, if you're reading the book of Acts, when they take over and begin their ministry early in the book of Acts, we see this as soon as chapter two, the first thing they tell people to do in response to the gospel message of Jesus Christ is to repent. When the crowds ask uh, Peter, uh, brothers, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized, and baptism associated with this uh, repentance. So to repent is a command and a very central one from Jesus Christ. It's at the core of what it means to respond to Jesus and the good news message about him and to live as one of his disciples. As the the great uh, pastor and theologian Martin Luther said in the 1500s, that the Christian life is a life of repentance, 
and so, again, I say this is absolutely central, not only to the, the ministries of John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, of the apostles, but to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In other words, we are not in Christ and we have no hope of heaven without repentance. So what is repentance? You know, I mean, it, it, it's a word, it's a concept, it sounds like something, but what are we talking about precisely? It's important to clarify uh, our terms, especially such a big one as this. Well, repentance is a word that could easily get watered down and uh, misused or misapplied. It can often be confused with confession, and uh, for good reason, because there's a lot of overlap and similarity with the idea of confession. They're similar in nature, but repentance has an important nuance to it that makes it different from confession. Repentance basically means to change one's mind, to change one's mind. This is why uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, uh, Paul talks about not being conformed to this world, but being transformed with the renewing of your mind. He's talking about repentance. You know, the first 11 chapters, he's been pretty heavy on the gospel, and then Romans chapter 12, the first thing he's talking about, just as John the Baptist, Jesus, the other apostles did, you've heard the gospel uh, respond in repentance. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind uh, toward Jesus Christ. So it means to change one, one's mind. Uh, another way to imagine this is uh, to turn around, you know. I'm going to try to do this here. So I'm looking at you, and I'm facing, you know, maybe I'm facing something that I shouldn't be facing. I'm, uh, you know, I'm setting my eyes upon this world and things of this world. And repentance, I don't know if you can see it, but behind me there's a painting of Jesus, you know. And so I'm repenting when I do this. There he is. There's Jesus. You know, so I'm looking at other things, repenting, and, and now I'm only going to head in this direction. Uh, that is uh, what repentance is for someone's life, is to go in the opposite uh, direction, basically. And this is captured really well uh, in the opening sequence of uh, a show called The Chosen. Have you seen The Chosen yet? It's free. I mean, with the quarantine, they put this show online for free. Uh, if you find it on YouTube, you can skip the, um, the director or creator's commentary for the first 12 minutes um, and just go to the start of the show and then skip the last hour and a half where he's talking about it. Just watch the show. It's about 45 minutes an episode. I think they came out with eight or nine episodes, and it's a, it's a, a series that's going to be on the life of Jesus. Uh, and so they've done the first season, which is the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And it's really, really well done. I mean, sometimes things like this are not well done, but this one is really well done. And one thing they capture really well in that show is repentance, uh, this idea of uh, dropping everything to follow Jesus. It's so central to the show that they made it a, a central part of the opening sequence with an animation of fish, you know, because uh, Christians are fishers of men, right? and the early disciples were fishermen. Um, so there's an animation, simple animation of fish, uh, like a, a group of fish that are swimming in a circle together, like this, right? Almost like a wheel, and they're all gray, and they're doing like in this direction, and then there's one fish that comes along, and he's teal, and going the opposite direction, right? 
They're going in that direction. He's going in that direction. That's Jesus. And then every once in a while, some of the gray fish that are going this way, they peel back and they turn around and they follow that teal fish and they become teal. Uh, those are the, the disciples. It's repentance. They've changed their mind. They were heading in life in one way. Um, they met Jesus. They encountered him. They heard the gospel, heard the call to repent, and, um, and they go and, and they follow him. Uh, so that, uh, the, if you need an image, uh, go watch The Chosen, and it's worth watch, watching the show. So in other words, repentance is a complete and total call on a person's life. A complete and total call. Not merely tinkering or tweaking things here and there that we pick and choose. Uh, but it's a radical upending, an abandonment of one's life to get behind Jesus and to follow him instead. The trouble is, here's the real trouble with that. The real trouble with that is that following Jesus does not look the way we or many uh, other religious people often expect. Um, That repentance doesn't often look the way that people expect. And uh, so this understanding of repentance and that dilemma is captured in our passage today from Matthew's gospel. We read part of Matthew chapter 11. Uh, these these uh, verses are all about repentance and the difficulties around them. So this chapter actually marks uh, the beginning of some major challenges in uh, 11 and 12 on Jesus' identity as Messiah, as the one to follow. And his Jesus' response to these challenges here uh, in them, he, he highlights repentance. To the challenges of his identity as Messiah, he highlights the topic and need for repentance. First, he does that in highlighting the ministries of John the Baptist in his own ministry, uh, the ministries of repentance, that they were not as what people expected. That you see in uh, verses 16 through uh, 19, where he's talking about the children playing in the streets. You know, we did something, we wanted you to respond a particular way. We were expecting something, um, and you didn't, you didn't give us what we expected. He's basically saying, you know, John the Baptist and I, Jesus, came, um, and we were not uh, what you expected. Um, and so the, the, the uh, ministry of repentance is not the expected one. And then in verses uh, 20 through 24, uh, he speaks of three Jewish towns saying that although they had seen Jesus perform more miracles than any others, most of them did not respond in repentance. So he talks about uh, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, which is where Jesus spent a lot of his time and may have even lived. Uh, In these towns, although he performed many mighty works, the Jewish people of those towns, for the most part, did not respond to him in repentance. And to add insult to injury, he says, in fact, it will be better for the people in the Gentile towns of Tyre and Sidon than it will be for the citizens of Bethsaida, Chorazin, and uh, Capernaum. Um, That the Gentiles are going to see the works and uh, more likely respond than the expected uh, Jewish people and especially the religious authorities. 
To add further insult to injury, on top of that, he says, it would, it'll actually be in the day of judgment, it's actually going to be b- more bearable for the people of Sodom. That the people of Sodom, remember Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, that they would have been more likely to respond to Jesus than the people of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Um, and then finally, he says uh, in verses 25 through 30, uh, if people repent, it is going to be, for all these reasons, if people repent, it is going to be a supernatural work. Um, it, is, it is going to take the work of God for people to turn around in the way that we're talking about in repentance uh, and abandon their life and the things that they're following and follow Jesus instead, that only God can do that in their lives. And then at the end here in verses uh, 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 29 and 30, he provides comfort around repentance, saying that doing so will bring rest. Now, this is helpful because here's the thing that I hope is going on in your mind. This is what's going on in my mind. This is what seems to be the conversation I'm having with people that it's clear that they need to repent of something um, or just to repent in general. That is uh, really uncomfortable, Um, because, the, you know, for 20-something, 30, 40-something, 60, 80 years, you know, you've been leading life a particular way, and you've got your habits, and it seems to be going well. And then Jesus comes along and says, it's, it's not going as well as you think, and you're going to have to abandon some of these things that you take for granted and like in order uh, to follow me. And so it is great, great news in saying that. He says, but come to me. You'll actually find that it's better. It's actually better over here. You know, all those things that you don't want to give up, that life that you don't want to give up, the idolatry in your life, um, the things that you're putting before me and worshiping God that you want to hold on to, they're actually uh, oppressing you. They're your slave drivers. But if you come to me, you're going to find that you're going to find rest. Uh, to be my slave is a, is a light burden. Um, and you're going to find that this is the, the better place to be uh, with, with, with Jesus, even though the notion of loss, loss on the other side is quite scary. Now, let me just contrast two stories to end here to think about this from the Bible. Um, the, do you remember the rich young ruler? And do you remember Zacchaeus? Uh, actually, kind of the uh, besetting sin for both of them was similar. It had to do with wealth. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to gain eternal life? Um, and Jesus, uh, you know, recites the law to him, and he says, I've done all this. He is an upstanding citizen. He is fulfilling the Jewish law to the T from all outward appearances. He has got it together. And then Jesus cuts to the heart and says, You lack one thing. Uh, Go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Now, for you, that might not be your sin. But for him, that was the thing. That was the idol in his life that was keeping him from Jesus. And Jesus said, the thing that you love most, are you willing to give it up in order to follow me? And he was unwilling. He was unwilling to repent. And then, do you remember the story of uh, Zacchaeus? In Luke uh, chapter 19, verses uh, 1 through 
10, Zacchaeus was a tax collector in Jericho, and uh, tax collectors were despised by their own Jewish people for being sellouts to the Roman government. Um, and, uh, but this one uh, saw his need for life to change and was willing to abandon. See, being a tax collector was a really privileged thing. You would have been a wealthy person because they gleaned off the top and pocketed money for themselves. Um, and Jesus calls him to himself and he comes down from the tree, and Jesus says, I want to go eat dinner at your house. And notice the crowds grumble. They're upset about this. And Jesus goes to his house. Uh, and uh, when uh, they saw it, uh, they all grumbled. He, he has gone in to be a guest of the man who, who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and... If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it. Not only do I restore it, I restore it fourfold. Four times as much as what I've taken away. Basically, I'm going to give it all up. This is a, he's heard the gospel, he's encountered the gospel, and he gives it all up in order to follow Jesus. It's the act of repentance abandonment of life, and a full response of being toward Jesus Christ. And then Jesus assuredly says, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Well, so what about you? I want to end by asking you personally about repentance. Have you, have you done it? Have you repented? And if not, what will it take? What does it mean abandoning in order to repent uh, like the fish in the opening sequence to turn around and become not a gray fish but one of those teal fish? And if you have repented and made a confession of faith with Jesus Christ, chances are there's still remaining idolatry in your life. Um, as, as Martin Luther said, the Christian life is a life of repentance. And so what are those remaining uh, blockages in your life that need to be uh, repented of, that still linger and abandon? This final word, Paul says at the beginning of 1 Thessalonians, and talking to the Thessalonians, uh, he says of reports about them, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And so I invite you to turn from serving idols, the things that are enslaving you anyway, and to turn instead to the true and living God uh, who gives you rest. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.